happy and you know it, say amen. 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 God bless you. It's a joy to have you with us today in worship. We've already had a good day, and I pray that you come expecting the Lord to fill your cup this morning. Amen. Uh, to those that are joining us online, we welcome you. We're glad to have you. And if you're here today and you're a visitor, one thing that you can do to help us is you'll notice in your bulletin there's a little perforated tear-off on the right side. If you'd fill that in and drop it in the offering box on the way out, that makes sure we get a record of your visit, and we are glad to have you today. Amen? As we uh, go to the Lord in prayer, uh, we want to pray for Cody and Sarah as they make their way back from Canada from the funeral of his grandfather. We pray for them. Also, it is good to have Tina Parsons back in this service uh, after a little hospital stay, and uh, also we want to pray for Gary Chestnut who is recovering uh, this week as well. Pray for Paula O'Banion, who will have surgery tomorrow, and we want to pray for Dean Kettering, who will have a follow-up surgery on Tuesday. We pray that, uh, that this is like the, the, final, uh, the final good health call for Dean. Amen? And we rejoice. Uh, let's go to the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for what we've already experienced today. And we're asking you to do it again. Lord Jesus, for for anybody here today who's hurting, I pray that this message will be right to the heart. Encourage somebody. 
Lord, we pray for these uh, that are healing. We thank you for answered prayer. And we also pray for these that are looking at surgeries this week. We pray for Tony Withrow, that you would help him and, and Bev as they travel this journey as well. So, Lord, would you have your way? We, we, we agree and we join with every Bible-preaching, Jesus-centered, Christ-honoring church. We pray today that the lost would come to you. If there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, let today be the day. Lord, I thank you for what you have done. We, we ask you, we, we, we plead with you to not let this just be a go-through-the-motion service. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And if you agree with me in prayer, would you say amen? Amen. I want you to find three or four folks. Give them a big smile and a good welcome. Will you do that? Good to see you, Tina. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of
Deb in that song, Marsha, shout Jesus in the mountains, Jesus in the streets. Is there a way we can go right to that part? Okay. All right, we don't, we don't need the music. Okay. Give us the words. Shout Jesus. Thanks, Tony. Shout Jesus. Okay, listen. I really believe when we sing this song, are we, are we shouting it? Are we singing it with our hearts? Okay, can we do it? Will you help me? Will you help me? Okay. If you need to come pray, you come on. Here we go. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak
every head bowed as we continue to worship. Lord, you have our attention. You're worthy. We're not. Only through the blood of Jesus, we praise you. We praise you, Lord. Help us to worship you.
seated. Uh, before we let our kids out, uh, I'm going to ask Gary Super to come and help me uh, I, because I want the kids to hear this, okay? Last week on the way out after the second service, uh, I had the box and was giving some of you some coins. Gary shared a little bit in the first service, and I, I forgot him in the second. And uh, here's what we found out this past week, that we've got some passionate kids that want to share the gospel with their friends, so, Gary, give us a good word, okay? Amen. You see on the screen up there a copy uh, of this coin. I know you can't read that, but, um, you know, there's nothing more important than a person's soul. I heard a uh, popular preacher a couple weeks ago say that the word of God, the gospel's preached very well in a lot of churches. But unfortunately, the gospel becomes dormant when they leave the church building. It doesn't have to be like that, folks. That coin up there is worthless in and out of itself. But what's written on that coin, and by the way, you'll get an opportunity to get one out there in the vestibule when you leave, is the gospel is on that coin. What does the Bible say about the gospel? That the gospel is the power of God unto salvation in the book of Romans. And also in Hebrews, the Bible says that the word of God is alive. Amen. And sharper than two, any two-edged sword. So what does that mean? What does that mean to us as Christians? That means we can take that coin with the living word of God, which is the power of God unto salvation, and share it with someone, and God will speak to someone. Amen? Yeah. The word is alive. Amen. He will speak to someone. Um, that could be a waitress. That could be the uh, person that takes your money at McDonald's. Uh, that could be a friend. That uh, anybody. Um, I have in my hand a track. In, in a few years, I served up in the uh, truck stop ministry. Uh, we, we'd use a lot of these tracks. I learned the importance of sharing a track to put the word of God in the hand of a truck driver. You're going to be on the road, not going to be going to church anywhere, probably, and need the living word of God. And by the way, these coins come from the, from the truck stop, and we thank them, Ken Tillery and uh, Dick and, and uh, Gerald. So um, you can put them coins anywhere. And, and, and the, the good thing about the coin versus the track the track is a very, very good tool, but it's best to where you can be sitting across from one another and share and read the track together. And it's kind of intimidating for people to hand that out. And it's, sometimes it's intimidating for a person to receive it. They think, oh, here comes some religious fanatic with a bunch of false doctrine trying to share me and convert me. Well, part of that's true, isn't it? But... Uh, but anyway, with a coin, hardly anyone's going to refuse you handing them a coin. Uh, can I give you this? Um, or would you, uh, uh, would you take this and carry it with you? Oh, uh, wherever, wherever you go. If you don't believe that, act to, uh, ask some uh, waitresses at Cracker Barrel. There's plenty of them floating around there. And uh, 
let somebody pick that coin up. It's not going to take them 30 seconds to read it. It's not going to take them 30 seconds to read it. You're not going to be embarrassed or intimidated to hand it to someone. They're not going to be embarrassed or intimidated to read it because it's fast. But yet the living word of God, the gospel, which is the power of God and the salvation, will save souls. Amen. Nothing's, more, nothing's worth more than a person's soul. And we have the opportunity to be a part. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be something... You know, the Bible speaks of store up treasures in heaven. Someone said, well, those treasures in heaven are those that you've sent on ahead. Wouldn't it be something to be standing in heaven with Jesus and Jesus wrap his arm around you and say, see that person right there? You gave them a coin. You gave them a coin. So when you go out these doors with that coin, here, here's the catch. When you go out these doors with that coin in your hand today, you don't need to have it this time next week. Why? Because you've shared that coin with someone. Amen. You've shared it with someone. That easy. That easy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good word, brother. Good word, man. Um, last Sunday afternoon, before the kids take off, last Sunday afternoon, uh, may have been before we got home from the second service, Jackson Deaton had already given our grandson, Jordy, one. Monday at school, Gentry Cottle wanted to make sure his whole class had one. So, uh, amen? Uh, what, what does that coin say? Where will you spend eternity? Backside is John 3.16, okay? Um, kids? You can join Miss Amanda in Children's Church up to third grade. We're glad. Hey, Amanda, grab some of them on the way out, those coins, okay? Amen. Good to have you with us today in worship. All right. Gospel conversations are what it's all about. Jesus does the saving. Anybody want to say amen? It's not your presentation. It's not how well you memorize Scripture or, or how you trip up on anything. It's the fact that the word of God, according to the prophet Isaiah, will not return void. So the Holy Spirit takes it, applies it, draws, convicts, does the saving. Don't ever think that the way you shared the gospel is because somebody got saved. The only reason people get saved is because the Holy Spirit speaks to a heart and he takes his word. I thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. That, listen, that, that makes this service worthwhile. I mean, do we not believe in the supernatural? I mean, if it's, if, it, if it's just Brother Greg and this is the best we got, we're in trouble. I'm boring. I'll, I'll watch myself on, every, usually Monday I'll look at the, a little bit of the service. Not all of it, but I'll just look at it. And I see me standing down here and I'm thinking, man, I am boring. I am boring. I look the same way every week. I stand the same way. I... Lord, fire up our church. And that's why we need to sing songs like we just sang and, and shout it from the housetop and, and praise the Lord and worship him. Amen? He's worthy. Well, I want to introduce you to a passage, John chapter 8. To our guests, we're preaching through the Gospel of John. We're making our way now to chapter 8. Very familiar story. Um, a, lot of, a lot of speculation in this story, but here's one thing that we can be sure of, and that's this, and, and you can be sure of it in your own life, that when the crowd thins out around you, Jesus will still be there. He'll still be there. Um. I'm reminded of a, of a woman who was getting up in years and things had changed a little bit for her. Her health had changed and it had caused her to have to remain uh, around the house more than, than ever. Some of, some of us are experiencing that very thing. She had to rely primarily on her neighbors, on their goodwill and on their help and on their vehicles 
uh, to get her what she needed. She was grateful for it, and at one point began keeping a diary. Have any of you ever kept a diary? I found my sister Sheila's when she was a teenager. Oh yeah, it led to a, it led to a fight. It led to a fight. Uh, she got so mad at me, I could still see her face. Well, this diary was a little different because it was found several days after she had passed away because someone finally realized she hadn't been out. They got her belongings together, and the diary, one of them, was opened, and they noticed something that was heartbreaking toward the end of her life. Almost every day, she would write three words. And these were the words. No one came. Flip the page. No one came. No one came. In essence, she was recording, I feel like I'm all alone. I draw your attention to John chapter 8. It's the story of a familiar woman because to tell you the truth, it's almost as if she's the only one who gets the ink. But it concludes with Jesus. And it's a reminder that when the world thins out, the crowd thins out around you, and it will one day, it's Jesus that you can hold on to. At the end of the first service, uh, I was pinch hitting for Cody today in his Sunday school class. Um, a family said, Brother Greg, uh, he wants to talk to you. And I said, I'm on my way to teach Sunday school. And before I left, I looked at him and said, I want to ask you a question. If you were to die, would you go to heaven? And his answer was, I think so. And I decided Sunday school can wait a few minutes. And uh, Cole Deaton, who's grown up in our church, said that a few weeks ago he prayed before school. Well, he reaffirmed it this morning right here on his knees. And uh, we'll baptize him. Um, well, amen, praise the Lord. And I only tell you this for a reason. Because God is in the business of changing people's hearts and changing people's lives. And if you're glad that he changed yours one day, say amen. And this morning, we, we look at this story um, about a woman, I believe, who's empty. Because she tries to find happiness in the wrong place. She tries to find happiness in the arms of somebody else who's not her husband. And the religious leaders have caught her, the Bible says, in the act. Not just heard about it, caught in the act. And that's where we are in John chapter 8 as they bring her to Jesus. Verse 1, 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple. So what Jesus was doing is he was crossing the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives. Now, how significant is the Mount of Olives? Mark your Bible, and let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And we'll pick it up with verse 8, just as a reminder. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. This is what Gary's talking about this morning. You shall be witnesses in Jerusalem. So your Jerusalem is where you're at. It's your family. It, it's your neighborhood. Uh, your Jerusalem would be at your workplace tomorrow, okay? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The, the marching orders for the church. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, 
he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up to heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet or the Mount of Olives. Listen to me. Jesus one day will set foot on the Mount of Olives again. When he comes to planet earth again, I'm not talking about the rapture, I'm talking about the second coming of Jesus. He will set his feet at the Mount of Olives. And brothers and sisters, in 2013, when you let me go to the Holy Land, I got to stand right there and be reminded he's coming again, and he will plant his feet right here. Now, the Kidron Valley was the divider. It wasn't a long walk. The Mount of Olives here, at the foot of the Mount of Olives, was the Garden of Gethsemane, and then Jerusalem. When you stand on the Mount of Olives from the east and you look toward Jerusalem, uh, that's the picture you see of the Temple Mount, the gold dome, the pictures of Jerusalem. I'm telling you, folks, it, it makes a big difference when you recognize what the Mount of Olives is. John chapter 8, go back. Now early in the morning, verse 2, he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. Jesus teaches us this morning that it's important to slow down. Gary's reminding us of the importance of a gospel conversation. A lot of times when, when I talk to someone, this is my opening. In your personal opinion, what do you understand it takes for a person to go to heaven? In your personal opinion. Everybody has an opinion. Maybe the person says, well, I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin, and he offers that as a free gift, salvation, if you receive it by faith. Somebody answers a question like that, I'm saying, amen, praise the Lord. But how many times do I hear something like this? Well, I, you need to be a good person. You need to do some things uh, that others aren't and be kind and treat everybody alike. And, and uh, listen to me, folks. There's a way to respect someone even when you don't agree with them. Here's the follow-up. Then can I share with you how the Bible answers that question? And you know what's on the back of that coin? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Are you with me? Jesus teaches us the value of just slowing down. You know, Kasia is in her schooling and, and in, in the clinics and things, and, 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 and her job now is interacting with people, and boy, she's trying to figure me out now. But you know what? You'll never do it if you're in a hurry. When was the last time you just enjoyed the moment? When was the last time you just looked into somebody's eyes? When was the last time you, you, you forgot your cell phone and you didn't have to rush home to get it? And you found out that the world continues to spin. And life is okay. And we just slow down. Jesus teaches us the importance of having a conversation. Now, you talk about Sunday school and discipleship and worship being interrupted. Boy, to the nth degree. Here we go. But to Jesus, it wasn't an interruption. To everybody else it was. Verse 3. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Go ahead and circle that. Caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, in the middle, the focus of attention, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act now Moses in the law commands us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? They said this, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Let me, let's listen to me. There's never been a conversation in your life Jesus has not heard. 
It's almost, almost as if these religious rulers are fooling themselves. And Jesus hears everything that they're thinking. They thought they had Jesus on the spot. This was their opportunity. Would he go against the law of Moses? Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 22, if a man, is, a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die. The man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shall you put away evil from Israel. Or if, she said, if he said she should be killed, he would have trouble with the Roman leaders because Jews under Roman law could not execute anybody. They, they thought they had him. Here's the first thing I want you to write down this morning. What Jesus says does not need man's approval. What Jesus says does not, does not need my approval or your approval. We are to conform to the things of God. And I want to remind you that Jesus is in the life-changing business today. He's in the life-changing business he doesn't consult us to see what we think or which direction he should go. Uh, and by the way, here's a big question I have in this whole story. Where's the man? Where's the man? The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, the man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. It almost seems like this is a one-sided setup which causes me to speculate even a little more. What did Jesus write? Now, we have all kinds of opinions about what we think he may have wrote, but the truth is we don't know. But we can speculate a little bit, can we not? Use your sanctified imagination. What if he wrote the name of the man in the dirt? And I'm in the crowd, and I'm standing here ready to see her killed because if no one ever finds out what happens, I'm home free. Remember the story I've told many times from the pulpit? It was just a business trip. I mean, after all, I, he had taken many of them before, but this time it just seemed a little different. His wife warned him about eating dinner by himself. Be very, very careful, she said. That night, his eyes met hers. And before long, they found themselves sitting at the same table. That led to one thing and a drink and another drink. And the next thing they know, they found themselves in the same hotel room. No one will ever know. No one will ever find out. I've got all my bases covered. And that night in an adulterous affair, which lasted for moments, it wasn't nearly as wonderful as he thought, fell asleep, woke up the next morning early, walked into the bathroom, and on the mirror in lipstick, welcome to the world of AIDS. Folks, I want to tell you something. The devil is a liar. He'll do whatever he can to crush your marriage. He doesn't care how he does it. He doesn't care how deceptive the scheme is. He doesn't care who it hurts or who it wrecks. This story is about a woman and a man who are in an adulterous affair, let me tell you, goes way beyond two people. And if you're here this morning and you find yourself being lured by somebody who, who tells you how good your perfume smells at work or makes compliments about your appearance, be very, very careful. The devil is in the business of destroying families. If you don't believe that, just look at our nation. Just look at America. Okay? All right? I bind the devil of technology and electricity because he sure don't like what I'm preaching this morning. Be very, very careful. I also recognize I pastor a church with a lot of people. And you may say, Brother Greg, with the exception of a few things you just mentioned, I've lived that. 
or I've had to watch it. Look at me. The story's not over. The story's not over. I mean, we're just getting to the point where it's about what man wants to do. You see, when the crowd thins out, Jesus is still going to be there. This story's not over. The good news is Jesus is still there. And he, and he bends down and he writes in the, in, the, in the dirt. So we can speculate what we think he wrote. Many think that, that he wrote, um, maybe started listing their sins. Because the Bible says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. So those that have brought her, those of you that are without sin, cast the first stone. If, if you look at the passage, as a matter of fact, if you look at chapter 8 and you have a red-letter Bible, it, it, uh, it's black until verse 7 is glaring. Amen? Red. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone. And the Bible says, he then again stooped down and wrote again. Now, we're talking about two messages, maybe. So if the first one, let's just say, sanctified imagination, was a name, I wonder if the second trip became detailed sin. Maybe not adultery but whatever was going on in somebody else's life. He who is without sin cast the first stone. Okay, we're going to kill her. That's what they wanted to do. But Jesus had something else in mind. Number two, what would he have to write in order to get your attention on the ground? I mean, if, if, if you brought me down here to the, the floor today and put a circle around me and said, okay, Brother Greg, I'm just going to humble you a little bit as the pastor of this church right here for all to see. I'd be humiliated, wouldn't you? What would it take? What, what's it going to take? What's it going to take for the Lord to get your attention? I mean, we can only speculate it, right? The Bible says then those who heard it Okay, he had just gotten down on his knee. He just wrote again in the dirt, but the Bible says then those who heard it, he'd only made one statement, and that is, he who's without sin among you, let him throw a stone first. Then they heard it being convicted by their conscience. You know, the Lord, I believe, uses our conscience. We can try to fool it. We can try to rationalize things. But more often than not, when the Lord convicts you in your soul and in your spirit and in your conscience that something's wrong, it's probably best not to do it. God uses his voice and he uses his finger. And I don't know where I've been the last 62 years, but for some reason this has always escaped me. Are you with me? Verse 9. They went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. You know who led the way? The oldest. There is wisdom in years. The Bible says the oldest was first. That's interesting to me. Because he had to be honest with himself. He who's without sin cast the first stone. He had to be brave, no doubt being the older he was looked up to. He had to humble himself and surrender and walk away because he realized that he could not do it. Number three, there's power in the blood. There's power in the word of God. Anybody want to say amen? We found that out this morning in our Sunday school class. Jesus just speaks the word. Just speak the word. Man, I, 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 love the fact, uh, I love the fact to see people come forward and pray during a worship song. Anybody want to say amen? Marsha's looking at me. What, what are you going to do, Brother Greg? I know, I know she was. 
what are you going to do? I said, we're going we're gonna to worship. Amen? We're going to worship. But we've got to recognize there's power in the Word of God. And I realize every now and then there are funny things, and we laugh and, and have a good time in church. I believe Christians should be the happiest people in the world. But let's make no mistake. We're here to open the Word of God. Everything should point to that. Everything. Well, you're the preacher, Brother Greg. No, this demands our respect. This demands our attention. This is what's living. This is what God will use this morning, the Word of God. How many times did Jesus have to kneel? A couple times. How many times does he have to do it in my life to get my attention? But this isn't the end of the story. Her accusers bring her. Jesus is, is teaching this lesson. Verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and, and saw no one but the woman. Some, some translations don't have that. I believe King James and, King, and New King James do, but, but some don't. When, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. I don't believe her response is one of arrogance. I don't believe it's a loud one. Most likely her head has been dropped the entire time. Her accusers are surrounding her. Okay, Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not going to condemn her. Listen to me, listen to me. I'm going to forgive her. I'm going to forgive her. Do you realize this morning that you and I, without Jesus Christ, are condemned? Our sin separates us from God. But do you also recognize this morning that we're forgiven because of the cross, the, the, the grave and the empty tomb? Do you realize this morning that he is our hope? So the Bible says, uh, where are these accusers? Has no one accused you? She says, no one, Lord. Listen to this. Listen. Then Jesus says, neither do I. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Number four, Jesus does not condone, agree, or excuse her sin. Do you hear me? He doesn't condone, agree, or excuse our sin. They said, kill her. Jesus said, I will forgive her. Why? Because I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but has the light of life. I mean, she's alone. Just her and Jesus. And I'm telling you, when the crowd thins out in your life, Jesus will still be there. When the crowd runs away from you, Jesus comes to you. That's the good news. Now, I believe she was lonely because she was obviously looking for something to fulfill her. Maybe you're here today and you consider yourself a lonely person. I still have Renee. My mom and dad are still alive. I, I don't know what it will be like. But I know that loneliness is real. Someone said that loneliness is like a piano without keys, a violin without strings. It's like a sanctuary without people or a choir where no one sings. Loneliness is a blade of grass growing through a crack in the cement. It's like a campground without a single tent. Loneliness is like a mockingbird that doesn't have a song. Loneliness is feeling that no one does not belong, that one does not belong. It's like a flower in a cornfield that's hidden where no one can see. All I know that, that there is to know about loneliness, that's all I know because it lives inside of me. Albert Einstein, the the smartest man in the world said, it's so strange to be universally known, yet be so lonely. I'm telling you that the Lord Jesus is the answer for loneliness. Isn't it interesting that when you look at uh, the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples and teach and baptize, that Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never, never leave you nor forsake you. 
Why? Because he's the answer. When the crowd thins out, Jesus will still be there. Now I'm looking at those of you that have lost loved ones, and he's faithful. He's faithful because you're here. Amen? He's faithful because you're still moving forward. Number five, he doesn't, look, look, go back to four, read it. He doesn't condone, he doesn't agree or excuse her sin. Don't get me wrong this morning because Jesus clearly says, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. If your life is changed by the grace of God, live like your life has changed by the grace of God. And the word we use is repentance. And repentance, number five, is what salvation looks like. It's the fruit that God has changed your life. It's the transformation. Now listen to how important this is in your Christian life. Luke 13, three. Jesus said, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You think it's pretty important? Acts 3.19. Kathy McKee, do you remember this one in uh, Soul Winning? Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Do you think repentance is a pretty big deal? Romans 2, 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Folks, I'm telling you this morning, repentance is what salvation looks like. A new direction, a new walk, a new path, uh, new, new words come out of your mouth, new focus in your life, new priorities where you go and what you do. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So what happens here? We recognize that loneliness is, is real. We recognize that loneliness strikes at the heart of the most famous people in the world. How do I know that? Listen to athletes and listen to celebrities who seem to have it all and feel so alone. I'm telling you, the good news is that Jesus is in the life-changing business. He's willing to give you what you're looking for. I mean, he's what you need Maybe even here at church. Um, Crawford Loritz, one of those good old promise keeper preachers we listened to in the days gone by, said this, God doesn't exist to, to make you a better version of yourself. He wants to transform us. Give us a new nature. Complete inside out job. And the Bible says when we place our faith in Christ and repent, the Bible says he'll do it. You know what the Bible also says to the Christian? If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, be reminded that confession and repentance sometimes don't line up. Confession is, I'm caught Repentance is, I recognize it, Lord, and I turn from it, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. This was my prayer that I didn't read at the beginning of the service. Lord, this morning, I ask for grace and mercy. Some here may have lived the very thing I'm going to preach about. Lord, you're the potter, and we're the clay. Your word says you can put a mess back together. You can heal broken pieces, even if it means going in a different direction. Lord, just don't hear us today. We plead, speak to us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Some today need a new start. And I recognize this invitation.
is not the kind of invitation folks are going to run forward in. Because by coming forward, Brother Greg, people will think this has happened in our lives, and that it hasn't. But let me tell you something. If it hasn't, by the grace of God, thank God for that. If it has, ask God to give you a, a new start. Oh, it may have been something that ended a previous marriage. There was no going back. Are you willing to go forward and ask God to help you from this point on? You might be here today and say, Brother Greg, I can never trust again. I'll never forgive. I'll don't, I'll don't rule out what God might be able to do. Just lean on him for today. Let him carry you today. Listen to me, married couples. Don't you take things for granted. Don't you open up a door for the devil in your marriage. You protect yourself. You protect your spouse. Listen to me, kids. When was the last time you prayed for your mom and dad? When was the last time you prayed for your mom and dad? When was the last time you thanked God that you had a mom and dad who were interested in your life? Who loves you more than anything. Maybe you need to let them know that. Apart from God, we can't do these things. The devil's a liar. He doesn't care what kind of damage and who gets left along the side of the road. But I want you to know this morning that Jesus is the answer because when the crowd thins out, he's still going to be there. He's still going to be there. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, we're going to stand in a moment and sing. I'm going to invite you to come. We'll have a prayer together right here, just like we did with Cole this morning. And you can settle it once and for all. Tim will be here to help me. If you need to come, you feel free to come. Lord, you know our hearts. And just as you read the hearts of the Pharisees in John chapter 8, God, you know exactly what we need and what we're thinking right now at this moment. Nothing we can hide from you. Cleanse our hearts, Lord Jesus. Forgive us of our sin. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in our church. For your glory and your glory alone, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand together and sing. If you need to come, you come now. your heads just in a spirit of uh, recognition.
Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for the sweet spirit in this place. Thank you that you provide for us. And Lord, I pray that you would just somehow allow us to continue to be used for your glory. I thank you for every home, every family in this service. And those that are watching, I pray for every marriage. Lord, there might be somebody here who's divorced and wondering if they can ever love again. God, I I just pray that, that you just meet the desires of hearts. Lord, for a community that's searching, I pray, God, that we would be faithful to proclaim that you're the answer. It's you they're looking for. God, in a nation that just seems to be unraveling at the seams, help preachers of the gospel keep preaching the gospel. Knowing that you're coming again, time is short. We must be faithful. Thank you for a church, Lord, that loves the word of God. Thank you for a church, Lord, that thanks you for the cross of Calvary. Thank you for a church that loves each other. Help us to love our community like never before. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you this morning for being faithful and good listeners. Thank you for your faithful giving. And I think uh, Sandra and Chuck, good to see you back from Florida. And uh, give somebody a good fellowship greeting before you leave today. Will you do that? God bless you. Join us Wednesday at 1030 or 633. We're going to have communion in both of those services. We're going to ask our young people to join us Sunday, or Wednesday night. Okay? Thank you. This bro.